Are you building a green business that works for you and for the planet? Season 3 of Where Ideas Launch walks you through the process of ideating, creating, developing and scaling a green idea from start to success. I leverage my experience along with the experts and micro-entrepreneurs running green business models today. Join us for this short series of 16 episodes of Positive Business Impact for Change. My next guest is Nicole Broad, owner and designer at The Fruit Moth, a clothing and accessories brand with a conscience. Having launched in 2020 with a range of statement pussy bows and detachable collars, the Fruit Mart now offers shopper bags, reversible sun hats, dresses and reworked blouses, handmade in her home studio in Manchester. All of the Fruit Mart's collections are created using vintage and remnant fabrics and pre-loved clothing. With sustainability at the forefront of the Fruit Mart, no fabric will ever go to waste. Any offcuts are reworked into small accessories or donated to a local primary school and all packaging and stationery is made from 100% recyclable materials. Nicole, welcome to Wear Ideas Launch. Thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful to have you. I'm excited to share all the great news that's happening in your world at the moment. But before we get there, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And the first one is really, why the Fruit Mot? Why that name? So weirdly, it's actually the name of my wedding dress. <laughs> um, I'm not married yet. I'm not even engaged. But it's the only dress that I've ever, I've been obsessed with fashion since I was little. And it's the only dress that I've ever not been able to stop thinking about. Like right. as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm only ever going to get married if I'm wearing that dress. Wow. And it's, it's a vampire's wife dress. Who is my favorite designer anyway. But I just knew that I wanted to get married in it. Um, but at the time I couldn't justify buying it. I regretted it forever and then it kind of got to a point where I thought we were going to get engaged we are at some point um and I actually emailed them last year and said like are you ever going to get this fruit moss silk maxi dress back in stock and they said no wow and so but they did give me the it's a liberty fabric so they gave me the fabric name um so I ended up having the fabric shipped from the Netherlands wow so that I could get my dress made for me. And well, then about six months after that, they contact me again and said, we found one in your size. <laughs> so I now have the wedding dress and the fabric. But yeah, it just, I, like, I knew that I wanted to start a brand. I have always known about SEO. I did marketing at university. And I thought, that's what I want people to feel when they think about a fruit moth dress or accessory. I want them to not stop thinking about it. Right. So the fruit moth. That, yeah. that is just brilliant. <laughs> my wedding dress, which is sitting in a box waiting for that ring to be on my finger. <laughs> I, I can't actually wait to see it. So now you've, now you've really piqued my interest, really. So what, what drove you to start your own business? So I know, I know that you studied marketing and that you actually have this business as a side gig. And that's actually the whole topic of the conversation today is starting successful side gigs. But what drove you to start your own business? Um, so, yeah, as you said, I studied, so I studied fashion and design in college. Uh, basically, ever, ever since I was little, I've always, always wanted to be a fashion designer. Like, like I knew that that was wanted, what I wanted to be when I was probably 12, 13 <laughs> Uh, a long, long time. And I went to college, studied design, and it actually really put me off <laughs> fashion designing um, because everything was using patterns. Um, I didn't feel creative in any way. I just felt like mm. I was 
making something that someone else had designed. I didn't feel like a designer. And it really, really put me off. Um, and I, actually to the point where I sold my sewing machine and I haven't, I didn't have a sewing machine again until November last year. So that was 12 years ago. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so I, but then I got, I went and did marketing at university. So I did um, international fashion marketing at uni. Um, so I learned how to run a business, which I've been doing since I graduated, really. Um, I started off in marketing executive roles. Um, I did a bit of personal styling for the last three, nearly four years. I've been running a menswear brand for the owner. So I do all of the e-commerce and marketing for him. Um, and then, yeah, last year it was because because marketing is such a it's such an intense career option. <laughs> um, there is no time like you have no time other yeah. than work and then you want to go to the pub. <laughs> yeah. um, so then lockdown happened and I was like, oh, my God, I've got all this free time. I don't have to commute anymore. I can spend my lunch breaks actually doing something for myself. So I had saved a little bit of money and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do what I wanted to do yeah. initially and I'm going to fall back in love with it. And I'm not going to use patterns because that's what made me fall out of love with it. So, yeah, I just started um, making accessories, literally just cutting them by eye, kind of just for myself, really. And then I thought, well, I'll just see what happens. Let's just I've, I've set up a business for in my job anyway. So I knew exactly what to do with Shopify. I knew what apps I needed. I knew how to do all of the logistics side of it um, because I've been doing it for the past four years. So I thought, well, I've not really got that much to lose. I might as well just give it a go. And then, yeah, then it's just kind of snowballed a bit <laughs> from thinking that I'd maybe, you know, I'll sell a collar here and there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's getting to a point where it might not be a side gig for well. longer. <laughs> Yeah, that's this is really huge and and massive congratulations for taking that big step and I think the pandemic opened doors for a lot of people um, to make these kind of pivots so tell us a little bit about about how how your journey has been in developing the business and what sort of challenges have you faced so starting the website was all really easy and I think as well because I didn't put pressure on myself because I already had a full-time job I think that actually really helped me because I didn't really think that too much into it. And I think that's why it has done well, because I've just been really honest and open from the start, not trying to make myself look like a brand. Just everyone knows that I do it from my bedroom. Like, <laughs> and I think my customers actually like that. Challenges. What challenges have I faced so far? Um, probably actually working from home is a challenge doing this from my bedroom has been a challenge. Um, I've recently, literally last week, managed to force the other half into the spare room. So our bedroom's now in the spare room and I actually do have a studio. So I think it will get a lot easier from here. But actually just trying to fit in all of the, because I only work with dead stock fabrics as well. Right. There are piles of fabrics absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you look, you could sleep anyway you look in this room because there's just piles of fabric everywhere so yeah sleeping around that wasn't great and possibly has tested my relationship a little bit <laughs> but yeah that's the, been the main challenge is working from home and like actually actually doing everything from here as well working my full-time job from here 
having my studio here and living here yeah. is definitely challenging at times. Yeah. Um, my Instagram growth at the start was really challenging as well. Like infuriatingly challenging. Um, but only for a really short amount of time, but I'm very impatient. So when I didn't see numbers straight away, I think that is a ch challenge for me <laughs> as well, because I'm used to working with big numbers. Um, so yeah, working working my head round, only having 100 followers for the first three months was probably a bit of a challenge as well. Yeah. And did you did you go to your existing network to tap your followers at first? Or did you just try to grow based on the strength of the brand organically? I definitely tried to work organically. Unfortunately, the full time job that I have is definitely, definitely none of my customers. And the people that I work with are, I don't think that they could really help me in, in this kind of way. I, so I live in Manchester and the brand that I um, have been working full time for is technically a fast fashion brand. So it's everything that I do not want the fruit moth to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, yeah, the network that I had to the point where I just closed down my LinkedIn and made a new one. <laughs> yeah. Like I just wanted a clean slate. I don't think that there's um, much that I could gain from that. Whereas if I was starting a brand, which was wholesaling, I would have had so many connections. Yeah. But yeah. definitely not direct to consumer. It yeah. wasn't, yeah, I don't have a network for that, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think that's been good as well, to be fair. I think that's helped the brand grow organically and not go too in the opposite direction. I always knew that I wanted it to be sustainable. Yes. So I think growing it organically is the only way that you can do that really. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. So in what ways would you describe your brand as sustainable? You know, I'm, I'm tapping in here to the 17 sustainable development goals and I'm just wondering if there are other goals in particular that, that you're addressing with the statements that your brand makes. Um. So obviously I'm still very much in my infancy. I've only just, I've just hit eight months. So really, really young brand. And there are so many different goals that I would like to complete for the Fruit Moth. But currently I, th I, I do think, I think there's a tendency with brands when they first start to try and do everything all at once and try and hit everything and put so much pressure on themselves that eventually it just implodes anyway. Um, so I really focused in on the fact that all of my fabrics are either remnant or vintage. Like I'm not bringing any new fabrics into the matrix. Um, so I suppose that my main um, goal from the 17 sustainable de development goals is um, focusing on sustainable consumption and my production patterns. Obviously it's pretty impossible to, uh, <laughs> to not have a good production pattern when I'm creating it all in my own home. Um, but obviously as it grows, I would want to keep that as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously using the vintage and remnant fabrics, not adding to the abundance of like, there's so many fabrics that go to landfill. There's so many garments that go to landfill. There is no need for me to create new fabrics. Um, obviously I need to make sure, cause I'm working on my own. I need to make sure that I'm paying myself a living wage Otherwise, I'm not a sustainable brand and I can't call myself one. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day and someone said it was Catch Reese, which is a jewellery brand. And she said that she doesn't call herself sustainable. She calls herself responsible. 
right uh which i thought was amazing i'd much prefer that word um one of my biggest worries in fact this was my biggest challenge that i should have said about (laughs) in the last question pricing yeah is a minefield like and for me to work out how much my time is worth as well as the costs the delivery the packaging the electricity that I'm using in my house like all of these things normally would just be all consumed within a factory for a fashion brand but obviously I have to consider all of them in my costs yeah and when you're first establishing a brand it's really difficult to sell sell yourself like that I think like the, yeah. the imposter syndrome kicks in a little bit and <laughs> and you think is that right yeah. is, should I be charging that much but yeah so I think I think that is a really difficult part of especially having a sustainable business because th- there's so many businesses that use vintage fabrics but I just feel like they undersell their own time like it takes a long time to make a dress <laughs> like a long time to make a dress from scratch make your own patterns and all of that needs to be considered before pricing your items. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely it. Um, and I do quite a lot of things for charity as well, um, donating ten percent of my sales to Diabetes UK for the next three months because I'm doing their step up challenge. Um, and I'm a member of Ecology, um, and they like pr- plant trees. Um, every month in your business's name so you pay like a subscription fee and it sort of offsets your carbon um so yeah any, anything like that I'm, but I'm always looking for new ideas yeah Definitely. yeah that's it's really interesting what you brought up about pricing um I, I share I share your challenge um it definitely is a challenge for us as sustainable businesses to come up with the right pricing I I like to think about this as as really going back to basics so what do I really need to live like to sustain the quality of life that I, I feel I want to sustain, as well as to sustain the, the quality of service I want to maintain. What does that cost me yeah. altogether? And then how many units, you know, and this is this is the complicated part, how many units um, do you need to sell to make that? You know, how much you need to invest to sell those many units? You know, so I think it's it's really for me breaking it down into numbers. I I like to think about it as sustainable businesses are kind of lifestyle choices and therefore your lifestyle is part of it. So being able to preserve that freedom that you that you have to, you know, wake up when you want and do the work that you want to do, add the value you want to do, give where you want to give it. You need to just cost that out, you know, uh, your whole life um, and then and then put that into, you know, where you need the business to be. And then choose your pricing according to that. But it's it's still tricky because quantity and quantity and price has a relationship as well. And I guess this is where your time comes in. So how many how many pieces can I realistically produce, considering the time I need to spend on marketing, the time I need to spend on other things, etc. And then work it out based on that. But it's 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 not it's no simple math. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just something that I think um, you know, as lifestyle businesses, we just need to to map our lifestyle to what we do when we price. But yeah, it's 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 a fascinating conversation. I think there are probably many ways to look at it. So Nicole, I know that you have had some some challenges along the way to becoming a business owner. Um, several challenges actually you've shared a few with me 
I'm wondering if you can share with the listeners some of what you've gone through and how you've overcome it and turned it into values in your business. Yeah, so I've had a bit of a dramatic life for the past six years. Um, so six years ago, I was 23 and my partner was 28 and unfortunately he passed away very, very suddenly. And um, that kind of sent me into a bit of a spiral, really. Um, I got into a bit of debt and I um, eventually the stress gave it brought on type one diabetes, which I got diagnosed with in 2019 um, at the start of the year. And yeah, that's been a bit, a bit crazy. But also I think, I think there's, I think there's two ways that people can go when they have like that severe trauma and you can either just give up and you're done. Like that's it. You've had enough. Or you can just like, Gaz dying definitely made me think life is so short and I just need to grab it and I need to do whatever I can do to make my life worth it. He died at such a young age. He died, uh, he was a year younger than I am now when he passed away and he was only just getting started in his career and it was just so cruel. But I yeah, so now definitely focusing on this. If I died tomorrow, at least people could say, yeah, but she did that fruit mossing. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. That eight months was pretty impressive. Um, so I think there's always been a lot of hurdles. I think I'm a million times stronger than I would have been if that hadn't have happened. I kind of believe in fate anyway, I always have. And although that is the worst kind of fate that you can ever have, I do think it's taught me everything that I needed to know too have the confidence and the determination to make make life what I wanted it to be. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I totally, I totally get that. And and like, you know, really I congratulate you for all that you've accomplished. Tell everyone what what's just happened in your business, because I know this is really exciting news. <laughs> it's so exciting. And it doesn't feel real talking about it. Um so back in March, I just on a whim, I was shopping on not on the high street and on a whim applied to be a partner. Um, and this was like, obviously the business was only like six months old and, um, and, they, and I heard back and they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you on board, which I was really happy about anyway. But then they said, oh, it's a 250 pounds joining fee. <laughs> so at the time I was like, oh, well, that's nice that they accepted me, but I can't pay that right now. <laughs> I've got a lot of expenses going out this month and I'm not making any money yet. Um, so I just ignored it. And uh, and then last, last week, about 10 days ago, I got an email saying, we've been watching your growth. We really, really want you to be our next partner. Um, if we waiver the joining fee, will you, will you partner with us? And I thought it was a spam email at first. <laughs> but um but it turns out it wasn't and I went live on not on the high street on Friday that is so awesome I love this brand I remember I remember going well before before when I was more of a consumer I remember going onto this this website to look for stuff because it would there would always be something original something you hadn't thought about and really exciting stuff so it's it's wonderful I think your brand perfectly matches yeah. them which which is what makes sense about them reaching yeah, out to you so lovely so lovely and really <laughs> exciting 
and I celebrated a bit too much over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty pretty good news. I, I feel as if your your side gig is really starting to blow up now. <laughs> All right. So what what advice would you give to people just starting out now or maybe people who've been in business for a while, but are still probably struggling with their growth? What sort of advice would you give them? So I okay, I'm going to firstly go with Instagram, because specifically for a product based business, I think you have to be on Instagram Mm -hmm. now. I think it's so, so important. And I know that there are there are other social media platforms that I really need to pay more attention to like TikTok and Pinterest I need to up my game but I could not have grown as a business without Instagram so I'm I'm like all there for it um I my my account started growing and I started seeing sales as soon as I joined in with um a virtual vintage market um an influencer wore one of my pussy bows and after that one of the founders of a virtual vintage market got in touch with me and said please 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 can you apply to our February market and at at that point I was literally I was doing like 200 pounds a month sales and I thought that was amazing um and now like six months later I'm doing like 2,000 2,500 pounds a month sales and I do genuinely put it down to a virtual vintage market and Instagram and the community that they've built is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and show up on Instagram as well. Like I remember us having a conversation in like yes. January yep. <laughs> and you saying, you need to put your face behind the brand. You need to put your face behind the brand. And I was like, Oh, I just don't know. I don't like having my photo taken. And now I'm like, half of my feed is my face like (laughs) and people buy into that like I think it's so important especially for a small brand especially for a sustainable brand people want to see who is making these things people want to see who's coming up the ideas and like and I get customers now who are genuinely my friends last last week I had a customer send me a bunch of flowers when she found out about not on the high street she sent me a bunch of flowers (laughs) they're amazing like these people are amazing and they so want to buy into people yeah so and I think I genuinely think it's 80% the person and 20% the product yes obviously your product has to be amazing but if you're not there and and there's no face to the product you're just any other brand really like people are buying into you um and my other main thing I always say this, but just be kind. Like the difference it makes, especially in a business setting, for you to just be kind and nice to people. And that's what people want. Like I comment on all all of my customers, I comment on their photos all the time, like I'm their friend. Like I chat to them in my DMs, like I've got some of them as Facebook friends now. And it is all just about showing an interest in in people and not just showing an interest in sales and then the sales just come naturally once you've built that connection with your community I know loads of people say that Instagram isn't a community because people are following you it so is a community (laughs) like my little community that I've got I've just hit 2,000 followers last week and I I would say 70% of those followers I actually chat to yeah well like it is a community in my in my opinion (laughs) um but yeah so instagram show your face and be kind yeah they're my my three pointers (laughs) i love that i really love that (laughs) 
What feedback would you like to share with the listeners on our two communities, so Women in Sustainable Business and the Eco Business Growth Club on Facebook? So how have they helped you to sort of position yourself and get yourself ready for the group that has come? Women in Sustainable Business is absolutely amazing. There's so many inspiring women, and I know there's a few men now as well, but there's so many inspiring women on there. Reading their stories and listening to their wins. Like, I love it when you do the, can we have your wins for the week? That's my favourite. I love reading people's wins. Um, and when you just, you also, you just so often go onto Facebook and see someone popping up a question on Women in Sustainable Business or on Eco Business Growth Hub. You see, you see someone putting on a question and you think, oh God, I was, th- I was wondering that the other day. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't even have to ask the question. Just scroll down. Just scroll down and read it and you'll probably find your answer. And I saw I think I joined at Christmas time because I took part in the January challenge. Right. Didn't I? Joined um the Eco Business Growth Club straight away. And that is like that group, but just magnified. Yeah. I feel like everyone knows each other (laughs) in the club. The, all of the members would just like jump at the chance of helping anyone yeah. and that is the best thing like again it's the community thing that I was talking about with Instagram like it's just being kind mm. and giving that free advice that might be something that you know that you think is no- normal knowledge but there's someone that doesn't know it yeah and vice versa yeah and yeah it's just a beautiful little community to be a part of Nicole, it's been such a pleasure to hear your story, to see your growth. So I feel like I've been there from, from basically almost the beginning and yeah, see, you, <laughs> see you flourish and see the Fruit Mart grow into the brand that it has become. And I wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Catherine. This episode was brought to you today by the Eco Business Growth Club by Catherine Ann Byam and by The Space Where Ideas Launch. The Eco Business Growth Club supports positive impact SMEs with coaching, know-how and community support toward achieving the impact and reach they set out to make. You can find out more by connecting with Where Ideas Launch on Instagram or following the hashtag Where Ideas Launch across all of your social media.